0: Today's show is brought to you by Apprentice, which helps small and mid-sized businesses find great talent to work for them. Apprentice matches C-suite executives and business founders with college students that work on projects related to digital marketing, sales, data analytics, and executive assistance. If you have fewer than 30 employees, you can get four weeks of free executive assistance thanks to our new partner, Apprentice. Connect with their matching team at this URL. FollowFriday.net slash Apprentice. Again, that's FollowFriday.net slash Apprentice. You want to sound smart in your next meeting, right? Of course you do. But here's the problem. You don't have time to keep up with all the latest updates on social media. And that's why you should listen to this podcast from the global creative agency, Gray. It's called Five Things This Week in Social. The hosts have partnered with some of the world's biggest brands, and they are experts in social media and emerging tech. Listen to 5 Things This Week in Social wherever you get your podcasts, or search for it with a hashtag and the number 5 Things.
1: Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Let's have a soirée.
0: I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, the podcast about who you should follow online. Every week I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. If this is your first episode of the show, take a moment now and please follow or subscribe in your podcast app. Today, we are going to share four amazing follow recommendations that were once exclusive to Follow Friday XL. That's the podcast feed for our supporters on Patreon, and today we are unlocking them, unleashing them, taking them out from behind the gate. Pick your favorite metaphor here. If you want to get five follows every week instead of the usual four, you can donate one dollar or more at patreon.com slash follow Friday. We are going to start with a follow recommendation from Tracy Thomas, the host of The Stacks. So without further ado, here it is.
1: It's Follow Friday.
0: I asked you for someone super talented who is still under the radar and you said, wit McClure, who was at withazen.com and on instagram at wit underscore hazen wit is spelled w h i t and hazen is spelled h a z e n and oh my gosh, if you were listening to this and you're not currently driving, please go to wit underscore hazen. really appreciate this part of the show. Uh, Tracy, could you explain what wit what does what's her super talent?
2: okay. wit is maybe the greatest of all time. I don't know, but she's a florist <laughs> yeah. and she makes the most beautiful flower arrangements you've ever seen at the holidays, she does wreaths. She's based in LA, which is where I am. So she has become the only person who is allowed to have flowers in my home. Like every time <laughs> I have a birthday, an anniversary, anything, my husband always gets me with flowers. And I'm like, <gasps> I get like a little text that's like, hey, this is, you know, wit, gonna come drop off the flowers. And I'm like, oh my God, my life is better. If you go on my Instagram, you can also see a lot of flowers with books. And that's anytime I have a wit delivery. I'm like, picture, picture, picture of books with flowers. (laughs) But she's just so talented. They're not traditional flower arrangements. She's like all about whimsy and joy and like, she's playful with her flower arrangement. So it's not those like a thousand roses and like a giant orb that you see at like Kim Kardashian's house. It's not that. It's like (laughs) you took the most luscious field of flowers and put them in a vase and it's like, ah, I can't even, I don't have words. I'm just like moving my hands. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: yeah, that's a a really good point is that there's like a traditional, like a stereotypical style of flower arranging, Mm -hmm. which is very staid, very classy, I guess is the the best word of what people are going for. Stuffy, great word. (laughs) And I think that's why a lot of folks, myself included, don't really think about flower arranging very much we, we we it's kind of we've been exposed to so many stuffy boring versions of it so when you see something like you know Whit mcclure's work it's like oh oh wow okay this is possible there's so much more possible you know with just flowers yeah
2: yeah i agree i'm not i didn't think i was a big flower person but ever since wit has been part of my life i am like a snob i'm like ugh. Look at that boring arrangement. <laughs> and, like, one of the things that's very cool about what she does is she, I think they call it, like, slow fl- slow florals or something. Sort of, like, slow food. It's, like, things that are in season, things that are, like, grown, you know, in a certain way that's, like, good. I don't know. It, but it the intentionality, I don't know what it means, but, like, the intentionality of it, I sort of, like, do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of your, she's specifically choosing flowers that are maybe less impactful yeah to get
2: it's like a whole movement which I know zero about but I know that she's part of it and I think you know love a movement <laughs> that's good <laughs> Well, yes, yeah, so it sounds like you,
0: you so uh you you've been getting your know, flower arrangements from her for a while. Have you have you struck up any sort of like rapport with her? Any sort of friendship with her? Yes, uh, when, I want to be her
2: best friend. Um yeah. I tell everyone I know about her. We're supposed to go get drinks one day, so we'll see. Yeah. But I I have she's lovely. I mean, she's she's also like super politically active. She did like an installation in downtown LA that had to do with the police killings of black people. And it was like a floral arrangement that was part activism, part, you know, making LA look sort of nice for a little bit. So I align with her a lot politically. And I know that she's like rooted in this activist space, which I really love. And she just started a newsletter that, of course, I subscribe to, where she's uplifting other creatives that she loves. So all of that stuff it just makes me like her more and think her flowers are more beautiful. If that's possible, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's like one of those things where like the art and the artist, right? Flower arranging is is an art, even though we don't a lot of us don't typically like think of it that way, or it just it doesn't maybe get as much credit as it deserves, right? And it's interesting to think that you could look at an arrangement and could associate it with wit and be like, oh, that looks like a wit Hazen arrangement, yeah.
2: Totally, I feel like her look is definitely like very wit hazen to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll see someone else post flowers. Like when she does the wreaths, I saw some other person that I follow, some like chef person, and she had a wit hazen wreath. And I was like, oh, I didn't know she lived in L.A.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> a tip off. Yeah. 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 Have you ever tried flower arranging yourself? Like, have you have you asked wit for like, hey, teach me a thing or two? No. Um,
2: I No. <laughs> When I got married, this was before I knew Wade Hazen, I hired like the cheapest florist I could find. And my instructions to the florist was, I don't know anything about flowers. I don't care about flowers. I understand that I need them at my wedding and you will be paid for your labor. So you should be in charge of this moment. Like I was, I'm so hands off. I will buy flowers from like Target, like tulips and put them in a vase, but like no arranging. Just like, you know, just sometimes I need flowers. (laughs) (laughs) That was Tracy Thomas from
0: The Stacks talking about Wit McClure, who is on Instagram at Whit underscore Hazen. Coming up next, we have a follow recommendation from Josh Frulinger, a.k.a. the Comics Curmudgeon.
3: It's Follow Friday!
0: Josh, I asked you to tell me about someone who makes the internet a better place, and you said Rusty Foster, who is on Twitter at FKA underscore Tabs, T-A-B-S. Rusty is the writer of one of my favorite newsletters, Today in Tabs, which you can find at todayintabs.com. But for the folks who don't know about Rusty, don't know about Today in Tabs, Could you explain what it is, what he's all about?
4: Yeah, so the title comes from the idea of you've been clicking on a bunch of things, you have like a million browser tabs open. You're not going to get to all of them. You're not going to get to most of them. Wouldn't it be great if someone, and the idea was that like for certain, you know, internet subcultures, everyone sort of has the same tabs open. Wouldn't it be great if someone summed them up for you, uh, without you actually <laughs> having to read them? Uh, so, so this Rusty started. Uh, it was a newsletter in its first iteration. I want to say in like the early teens, and went for a few years and then stopped. And then he revived it a few years ago uh, for our new dumb age. And I love it. it I, I love his. I think his voice is very funny, uh, and he's pretty. He's a very smart guy. It is the sort of thing where I'm like. Twitter is a pro is a platform I have a very love hate relationship with. I spend way too much time on it. I do feel like I get a lot of information about it, but also like I'm rage scrolling a lot of the time. So I, I sort of am like, if I ever quit Twitter, how would I know who like the main character of the day was or like what the dumb tab of the day was? I'm like, oh, but Rusty will tell me. So that will be fine. I'll just get this email newsletter and get the highlights. So in the sense, it can make the it can make the internet better in the sense that like you don't have to if you don't want to you don't have to slog through it all to get to the more the most interesting parts. He's a person who also is uh, I relate to. No, I don't actually know him, although we are sort of Twitter mutuals. But he's a person who has been around the internet for like as long as I have since the '90s. For those who are as old as me, uh, you might remember there's a website called Corrosion, but it was spelled like K U R O five. H i n or something like that, and I reason, really I thought it was a Japanese word, and I thought he was Japanese at that point. He is not. He's a white guy who lives in Maine, um, and it just stands for corrosion, like because his name is Rusty. Um. These are all things I I just now learned in like the last <laughs> year or so. Uh, but anyway, so that was like a sort of slash dot like site. For those who remember slash dot, and uh, for those
0: who don't remember Slashdot, explain what corrosion <laughs> and insights like it were. Yeah,
4: well, so it, they are they are kind of interesting. Oh god, this is turning into Grandpa Internet Hour. But um, sorry, <laughs> it, it, no, it's fine. They were sort of like this is in the '90s, like before social media. Uh, it was a, it was a site that was it, they were blogs, right? They were, but they were they would be a post that would link to something else. Very occasionally, it'd be a post that would just have its own content. Uh, and and it would then have a huge discussion threads. And the sort of secret sauce of them at the time was that everyone could vote up or vote down other people's comments. So the idea was that it was a sort of Wikipedia-ish wisdom of crowds to see like who was, who what comments were most interesting. If you wanted to, you could see all of them. But most people did not want to see all of them. And it, And of course, I mean, Reddit kind of works along the same principles today with, you know, people upvoting and downvoting comments. Uh, And of course it results in like arguments about like, why am I being upgraded? I'm being suppressed, blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) And then there would be a layer of what was called meta moderation, where like sometimes you would randomly be asked to like, someone voted this comment up or down for this reason. Do you think that's good or bad? And so that like, that was a whole nother layer. I, you know, Slashdot in particular was hugely trafficked for tech stuff. Uh, and, you know, I, I started off as a tech journalist in like the late 90s, and it would like if you got slash dotted like that could, could like double or triple your, your traffic for the month. It was it was very widely read and it was very widely, uh, it, you know, people talk about getting slash dotted, like literally bringing their servers down. Wow. So it no longer has that power, but it does still exist as a website.
0: And Corrosion was a similar site that Rusty founded that's no longer around. And no longer
4: around. I no longer remember exactly what made Corrosion different than Slashdot. It covered a lot of the same topics and operated in some of the same ways. Uh, I'm sure there were sort of twists to it, but it was it 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 was 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 one of several sites that sort of had that same vibe to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but back to what you were saying about Today and Tabs being a a resource for people who are maybe not as on Twitter as you and I are, something I really admire about Rusty's writing is that he knows how to... Make something more enticing than its actual headline is, if that makes sense. <laughs> if he knows he knows how yes. to make you want to click on something. In the most recent newsletter, as of this taping, one of the things he he writes is Edward Anguesso Jr. went to South by Southwest and found a bunch of rainbow crypto vomit that literally no one involved seemed to believe in. <laughs> and it's like I wasn't gonna read just any article about you know South by Southwest or about crypto stuff, but as soon as I saw how Rusty phrased that,
4: I was like. Oh, that sounds interesting. I'm going to read that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, we're really going to get crypto attacked after this thing, but yes, it's true. Um, yeah, he's, he's very good at sort of encapsulating it and it, it is, it's good at like, I think his writing is good in a sort of like simultaneously insider outsider audience where like, if you are extremely online, like you kind of know what all where these running bits come from, but also if you're not like, it's still well-written and enticing and, and, and Sort of get you up to speed on what some of these bits are, uh, for our dumb, our dumb world uh, of, of yeah. media and tech adjacent stuff.
0: Yeah, and and sometimes the, uh, the the links that Rusty puts in there, the way he phrases it, it's just basically a joke where he wants you to click through and and just kind of the punchline is seeing what the actual article is. So another yes. one from the most recent issue. Um, the way he put it was. The goblin space program is canceled and, and you open it and it's a, it's a link uh, to a story about Pete Davidson from SNL, not going to space.
4: <laughs> you know, what's funny. I did not click on that one. And I was like, is this about the new uh, Harry Potter video game? Because I heard that, that like involves a <laughs> goblin uprising. So it, it's true. Oh and God. it was one of the things where I, I scanned it very quickly and I'm like, I'm not sure what that is. I don't have time to click on all this, but I was, I, it stuck in my mind. And as soon as you said, I'm like, Oh good. I'm going to find out what that link was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So so what do you think
0: the rest of us can do to follow Rusty's example? You gave a specific he he's serving a specific role for folks who may not want to spend all day on Twitter, as we've discussed. Right. What what is it the rest of us can do to to make the internet a better place the way he does?
4: It's funny, like I feel like sometimes the newsletter is a good example of like it provides examples of what not to be. Like don't become a character mm. in today in tabs, maybe maybe yeah. think about like how you, how the people ended up in, in that position of being like a running punchline for today in tabs. <laughs> um, I've, I, I mean, definitely like he, you know, he has to engage in, in sort of finding out what all these stories are at a, at a deeper level than I do or want to. So in some ways I don't, I, I don't advise anyone to do that, but I sort of, am like, Godspeed, man. Like, thank you for your yeah. service.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anything else about Rusty that we should mention before I move on?
4: Uh, no, I think that I think that's pretty much the high points. But yes, you should you should subscribe to his Substack, or as he refers to Substack, our regrettable platform, which I always find fun.
0: That was Josh Frulinger from the Comics Curmudgeon talking about Rusty Foster, the writer of Today in Tabs. You can find that newsletter at todayintabs.com. And here is some exciting news. Rusty will be on next week's episode of Follow Friday. We have already recorded the interview. It's great. So get excited. We are going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with more bonus follow recommendations from our Patreon page. So stay tuned.
3: Hi. I'm Angela Ledgerwood, and on my podcast, Lit Up, I chat with the writers I love about book culture, their work, and their lives. You'll hear from brilliant minds
2: like Anne Patchett. My relationship mantra is... You are a tapestry. I do not get to pick out the threads I don't like. Trevor Noah. You have a
3: nation that ignores its history. And when you do that, you are most likely to repeat it. And
2: my friend, Maeve Higgins. Took me a while to even say, like, I'm a writer. I want to know what lights them up. So I ask people like Lisa Tadeo. I like to be taken by surprise by the world. Jason Diamond.
3: I love sitting at a table
2: with people. And Stanley Tucci. They say that the best way to a girl's heart is to her stomach. <laughs> From Sugar 23, this is Lit
4: Up. New episodes drop every other Tuesday.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Apprentice, which helps executives and entrepreneurs delegate tasks in digital marketing, sales, and project management. Their apprentices are college students from top schools who go through special training so they can work in your business as marketing managers, sales representatives, and project specialists. If you're a C-level executive with fewer than 30 employees, you can get four weeks of free executive assistance thanks to Apprentice. So connect with their matching team at followfriday.net slash apprentice. Again, that's followfriday.net slash apprentice. I want to tell you about another podcast I love, and I think you're going to love it too. Upworthy Weekly, Upworthy's first podcast, is a lighthearted look at some of their most popular and engaging stories. Delivered to your podcast feed every Saturday, it's the perfect way to shake off the Monday to Friday news cycle with a refreshing dose of good news. Join Todd Perry, one of Upworthy's most prolific writers, and Alison Rosen, a podcaster, writer, and TV personality best known for the show *Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, as they go through the week's best stories about humanity. Subscribe to Upworthy Weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Now I want to share a bonus follow from the most recent episode of Follow Friday with Bridget Todd, the host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Here it is
3: it's final friday
0: your first pick is in the category someone who has stopped posting but needs to come back and you said teju cole who was on twitter at teju cole, which is spelled t-e-j-u-c-o-l-e teju is a novelist a photographer a critic and a creative writing professor at harvard and he still has a Facebook page where he occasionally posts new things. But he has not updated that Twitter account since 2014, which feels like a million years ago. Um, what do you miss about Tetu and the way he used to post there?
1: Oh, I miss him tremendously. First of all, I just I think about him way more than I should be thinking about anybody that I've never met in person. <laughs> uh, he He brought a real, like clarity and artistry to his craft. So I definitely know him as like an artist and like a like a poet and sort of an all-around sort of creative person, but he had this way of applying that lens to our political landscape and our social landscape in a way that I really appreciated. And you know, I I remember he left Twitter at the time where I think I started to see it starting to get a little bit um how can I put this? I think he left right before things got really heated. I think a lot of people who spend a lot of time on social media will tell you around like 2014 to 2016 is when the temperature really got turned up. It's not Mm -hmm. surprising that that coincides with some stuff happening in our political landscape. But yeah, I, I and so I think that he rightly noticed that Twitter might not be a space where it was going to be like useful to put your beautiful, artistic, voice into the world and that there were other ways to express that and so he left. I think his last tweet is like still there. It's something like um, getting out of here I'll be back see y'all later and then it was like years and years later Uh, but yeah I just miss that he had this very I I, want to say delicate but I mean that as a compliment a very sort of like delicate way of understanding the sometimes complex political and social issues that we were all dealing with. And honestly, just a way with words, like a like a beautiful wordsmith, you know. It's so funny because I feel like as a platform, Twitter can be both of those extremes. And to be clear, I, I enjoy both extremes. I enjoy someone who can, like, beautifully turn a phrase, and I'm like, ooh, that is, you really put that well. And then somebody who is like, fart joke, I also enjoy <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I, it's it's the it's high low, and he was definitely for me represented the high.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I looked up his last tweet was good time for that Twitter break ever years (laughs) etc and i think i think i think he knew he he knew this this might be permanent yeah yes i will say yeah you're you're totally right about like when the i guess the vibe shift right on twitter when when social media kind of became you know more heated around that time but that is one of the things that i most appreciate about social media i you know i'm a straight, cis, white man living in a city that has priced out most of its black residents. I mean, this is, you know, Twitter is how I get exposed to a lot of fo- voices that are not in my bubble every day. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sad when folks like tattoo talented artists, leave for whatever reason, whether it's politics or something else, because it's just, you know, it, it's, it makes it harder to, to hear those voices to have those rise above the political fray. But at the same time, you know, of course, I I support if someone needs to leave, they got to leave. I'm not going to tell someone to, to stick around. I mean, this this category is a little facetious, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same way. And what a, what a loss for us, though. And it's like, mm-hmm. I completely, if somebody is like, you know, whatever social media platform or whatever online space is just not serving me anymore, I encourage people to pack up and leave. Like, it is not worth it. So I completely, aggr- like, agree with his choice to leave Twitter, but... I miss him. You know, I think it is yeah. I think it's exactly what you said. Like we miss out on interesting perspectives and interesting characters when that happens and it makes it always makes me sad, but I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so Chetri has written several books including Known and Strange Things uh, and Blind Spot and his most recent is a collection of essays called Black Paper. Did you start following him through writings like that through the books and essays that he wrote or do you do you remember like what was your introduction in, into, into his world?
1: It was essays. And so I think when we were really starting to have conversations about like racial justice and Black Lives Matter was like really like in the zeitgeist, it was his essays on racial justice and sort of Black identity and what it what it means to show up as a, a Black person in the United States today that really captured me. Again, like he had this like very poetic way of both seeing the world and describing the world both through descriptions of experiences that I have had. So I was like, oh yes, this this rings so true. And also through descriptions of experiences that I will never have, right? Like I will never have the same experience as a a black man in the United States because I'm a black woman, right? And so uh, I felt like he was someone who really just had this way of putting things where it's like, I've never experienced that, but I can really empathize with it. And I felt like he taught me how to be a more empathetic person through his writing.
0: Oh, it's interesting. So, so like, was there a specific thing that you remember that you were a a specific instance? that you remember applying something from his writing in your own life, like to be a more empathetic person?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, like most people, I think I sometimes get caught up in really being grounded in my own experiences. And so I, you know, Because it's it's like, we all have main character syndrome. And so we're the person who is like the main character and everybody else is like a side character in our story in which we're the main character. And I think because of that, when we were all having conversations about blackness and racial justice and what it means to show up as a, a black person every day, it was so difficult for me to decouple that from gender because it's like, well, my experience is very specific to being a black woman. And I think that his writing Really helped me understand where a lot of my black male community members and friends and family were coming from and helped me understand that, like, we have some deep similarities, but differences too, and both are worth exploring. Like, I think I was really focused on, like, our shared experiences, and it was a little hard for me at that time to really step out of where our experiences aligned and really grapple with the ways that they did not align. And so mm. his work was definitely something that really got me thinking seriously about that in a way that like I'm kind of ashamed to admit was like difficult before. Like I never kind of realized how surrounded by my own experience I was until kind of like reading a lot of his work.
0: Yeah, those nuances are so important. It's, it's so wild when someone's able to kind of break you out of that out of that bubble, yeah. Um, there's another thing that, that Teju does, which I'm not sure if you if you uh, if you follow, but I thought I think is fascinating, which is he makes Spotify playlists. Do you, oh, do, yes. do you follow these? Yeah,
1: he's like a like I said like a like a multi hyphenate creatives with like yeah. writing poetry, also playlists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you you can find these playlists. There some of them are on his Facebook page, and he has the full list on his website, which is Tedjuco.com. I, I don't know if I even I fully understand how he he makes these it it seems like you're saying like a very intentional creative act Well, i'm just looking at the list here there's one called the angel said a playlist on presence and strangeness on beauty patience and holiness and then uh a couple below that uh the hundred greatest songs of all time a riposte (laughs) to a parochial list by rolling stone so it's like I, i i'm fascinated by the way his brain works here where he's just seemingly listening to music and, and is, and is reformulating these things in, in unique ways and ways that I just are beyond how I process music.
1: Yeah. That's something else that I really like about him is that like, just a sort of shameless arty type, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. It's it's not just a playlist. It's like a poetic playlist. I'm like, yes, please give me like, (laughs) yes, give me like, just like shameless, artiness. I'm here for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love it. That was Bridget Todd from There Are No Girls on the internet talking about Teju Cole, who was on Twitter at Teju Cole, and maybe he'll be back one day. Who knows? And for our fourth and final follow recommendation today, we are going to hear from Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun and host of Bullseye. Here it comes.
1: It's
0: Final Friday. i asked you for someone you're jealous of and you said lewis vertel who is on twitter and instagram at lewis vertel and his name is spelled l-o-u-i-s-v-i-r-t-e-l lewis is the co-host of the podcast keep it which is a crooked media show that covers the intersection of pop culture and politics is that
3: how you first started following him did you find him some other way the first time I saw Lewis do something was the the final season of my friend Andy Daly's show Review was mm. about to air on Comedy Central and they had like a premiere at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Mm-hmm. And Lewis did an on onsta- stage on stage interview with Andy. Mm-hmm. And I just resented Lewis for getting this job because Andy is my pick for funniest person in the world. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed funny people. And I was like, this should have gone to me, this (laughs) non-paying job (laughs) that would just be a hassle. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, who is this skinny gay guy in a stretchy shirt that, like, remember those kind of stretchy t-shirts that had like pictures of buddhas on them that were popular in like 2004 on women. I don't remember
0: this but it's quite that's a very specific piece of fashion. I'm sure a lot of people do remember this.
3: <laughs> yeah, like they're like all over printed. They're made of like stretchy polyester and the thing was they would come in they would start out really tiny but then you could stretch them over your whole self. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Lewis wears those, but they have, like, Faye Dunaway on them. (laughs) And and he looks great. He's a very good-looking guy. Yeah. And so I'm watching him do this, and the whole time I'm I'm just resenting him for having this job that I should have had. And also resenting him for doing a good job. Mm -hmm. So, eventually, Lewis ended up, uh, I sort of found out a little bit more about him. One thing was that he had been on Jeopardy. Yes. He had become a Jeopardy meme. Indeed because he had gotten a daily double and done some snaps. Very sassy. I'm not a Jeopardy person. I mean, I'm not against Jeopardy, but I, I it's not, like there's people who for whom it is really important. I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. But like, it is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Yep. Like, it's this the only thing I can think of that is when Taika Waititi, before he was famous, was nominated for an Oscar for best short film. Mm-hmm and when the camera cut to him as they were reading the nominees he pretended he was asleep (laughs) Um, like it's him lewis lewis giving his snaps when he gets the Staley double is so wonderful because it's just such a deep it's not only like memeable like it's not only like a cute thing to do it's also such a wonderful Expression of cultural identity, frankly, you know what I mean? Like, it's him saying like, you know, we're here, which I think is really great. So anyway, I found out about that and I had him come and uh, guest host a a podcast that we were doing uh, for a while and he was so good at it. Mm -hmm. And what I found about Lewis was, I could tell that he was really smart and I came to know that he knew everything about, Almost everything, but especially entertainment and the movies. Hmm. And then I was dismayed to learn that he is able to, like, make 10 out of 10 critical insights that are also great jokes. Yeah. And that is such an extraordinary and special skill. Like, I know great critics. Mm-hmm. I know people who make great jokes and I think that Lewis's gift is that he is just able to identify such specific concrete details about things, especially in entertainment, that reveal, what is it, synecdoche that is the, the, the piece that, re, that represents yeah. the whole? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Each of these little details that are completely revelatory hmm. and for that reason, hilarious. So, like, I'm looking at his Twitter feed, and these are just, like, things he just recently tweeted. These are not things that I picked out to reveal this. Right. But, like, the official dance when 9 to 5 comes on is throwing an imaginary purse over your shoulder and walking. Yeah, obviously. That is a perfect insight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want an alert for when Cher hits the caps lock. <laughs> If you follow Cher, you get that's funny. It's Barbara Streisand's birthday, so I'm only speaking to people wearing black, beige, ochre, or oatmeal.
0: <laughs> There's a specificity of the joke where it's not necessarily for everyone. You you need to you need to bring in some level of advanced knowledge. You need to know what nine to five is. You need to know about Dolly and all that. You need to know some stuff about about Cher and Barbara Streisand. But if you get it, if you're in the club, it's brilliant.
3: Yeah. And you also, like, there's a certain point where, like, look, I'm a professional culture critic myself, but I can't even begin to match the level of knowledge that Lewis has about the things that that Lewis is knowledgeable about. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, you just develop this trust that even if you don't recognize the detail, you know that it's the perfect detail because Lewis identified it. Right. Like... I've only recently was just like, I'm going to start trying to listen to Joni Mitchell because everybody loves Joni Mitchell. I mostly listen to rap music and soul music. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, you know, but it seems like I could get it. I could understand Joni Mitchell. Yeah. The other day, Lewis tweets, (laughs) whenever that Janet Jackson song goes, Joni Mitchell never lies, I think, yeah, except every time she says she's more of a painter than a musician. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like... (laughs) Anyway, I, I think it's great that I think it's great that he exists in the world. I think it's great that he writes for Jimmy Kimmel, the world's most basic heterosexual man, uh, <laughs> who, who I think has really done wonderful things with his basic heterosexuality. Yes. and when he tweets, I think Betty Davis holds the record for most lines of dialogue beginning with the word "ha." <laughs> Or the Bucket Hat volume at Coachella, 25,000 CrossFit instructors looking like Henry Fonda in On Golden Pond.
0: Well, okay, that one's going to take, we're going to need to break that
3: one down word by word. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so I, I, just, I just awed by him and just so admire it. He just put up, in every photo, Grace Jones finds a slightly different way to say, go f*** yourself. <laughs>
0: Well okay so you you've had the chance to work with Lewis a little bit um in podcasting you said if you two were just hanging out no microphones no cameras just talking about anything what would you want to pick his brain about like what what, what do you what would you most want to you said he was an expert in in everything what part of his expertise would you most want to hear him just
3: extemporize about what are my greatest professional regrets yeah and i have A fair few but one of the greatest if not the greatest is one time before he started doing keep it with Ira who's also Mm -hmm. great and hilarious yes Uh, before he started doing that show he pitched me a show I because I told him I was like well what kind of podcast would you want to do because he was doing such an amazing job uh, guest hosting this other podcast for us Mm -hmm. and he said oh it would be called actresses and I was like what He's like, yeah, it would just be like my my text chain with my friends where we talk about actresses, but as a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, this is the, w-, in my head, I'm like, this is the worst idea for a podcast I've ever heard in my life. This is not even an idea for a podcast. This is, <laughs> this is like, this oh, is. A of little faith. <laughs> and if I had understood the opportunity that I had to tap into a person with the most extraordinary genius and unique perspective. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm in an adjacent line of work to to Lewis, right? I'm also comedy and culture critic person, right? Right. And on Bullseye, my show, one thing that we're always working very hard to do is is address the gender imbalance in our guests. Yes. And one of the reasons for that is that We primarily cover artists who you might call creators, Mm -hmm. and that excludes actors and actresses substantially, or did. And women, in particular, are often excluded from the ranks of people who get to make stuff that has authorial voice in show business. And so I'm constantly trying to figure out how to care and understand more about actors and actresses because while actresses are nonetheless underrepresented <laughs> in show business and underpaid, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. uh, they are much better represented than they are as film, than women filmmakers are, for example, right? Right. So like if it's 60, 40, well I have to ask Gina Davis exactly. in fact, I, I did probably when Gina Davis was on my show. but it's something like sixty forty in favor of men in terms of speaking parts and movies and so forth. But that still gives you a pretty good pool of actresses to book, right So to me, the thing that I wish I could just have downloaded from Lewis's brain into mine is who of these people is the kind of actor who is good at acting because they look like something or have an interesting quality about them right which is a big part of acting and many many great actors that's the main thing about them is they just have they're just interesting and how many of them are the kind of person that i would want to talk to for an hour hmm. and i know that lewis knows could could tell me one to ten about literally every professional actor and actress in show business. <laughs> like immediately, like this, like Laura Linney, nine, you know? Yep. Gabrielle Union, three, you know, just <laughs> on down the line. But I don't think even if I knew that, I, I don't know that I could ever weaponize his insights the way that he does. I mean, like the his understanding of the relationship between art and artist and persona mm-hmm. is something that I could not, replicate, even if I dedicated the next 20 years of my life to it. Um, and it's, it's really extraordinary and it's really significant. And it's also something that I understand. I I think culturally, especially as like, a a, as a straight cis white dude, Mm -hmm. I had, I have never been called upon to exercise the muscle of understanding artists in that intertextual way the way that, for example, a gay man who is often understanding their own identity as meta-reflected through women on screen, for example. Yep. And I just have never seen anyone so consistently demonstrate insight in that area as Lewis. And and also, he's super funny. So <laughs> it's something that I really admire and am jealous of. I probably know more about baseball than he does, though. Okay. Well,
0: at least you have that. <laughs> yeah.
3: He can teach me about Faye Dunaway, uh, different people she's hit um, in real life, <laughs> and uh, I can teach him about curveball metrics.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate that, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was Louis Vertel, who was on Twitter and Instagram at Louis Vertel, and maybe one day the host of Actresses, the podcast, I will hold out hope.
3: Yeah, there's a seat warm for him at Maxline HQ. Louis, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I meant what I said. <laughs> we got a paycheck waiting for you for actresses exclamation mark that was jesse thorne from bullseye
0: talking about lewis vertel who is on twitter and instagram at lewis vertel thank you as always to everyone who has supported follow friday on patreon and to the guests whose voices you heard today tracy thomas josh frulinger bridget todd and jesse thorne All of their episodes are among my favorites in the whole run of the show. So if you missed any of them, please go back and listen. Follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to Follow Friday in your podcast app. Follow Friday is a production of lightningpod.fm. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodi Hermawan. And our social media producer is Sydney Grodin. Special thanks to our Big Fry Patreon backers, John and Justin. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. One more time, thank you to our sponsor, Apprentice. On average, business executives that work with Apprentice save 60 hours a month in management, sales, and marketing tasks. Apprentices help you free your schedule by working on a range of projects from digital marketing to project management. And whatever projects you are starting in Q2, you can get four weeks of free executive assistance if you're a C-level executive with fewer than 30 employees. Connect with Apprentice's matching team today at this URL, followfriday.net slash apprentice. Again, that's followfriday.net slash apprentice.